Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The religious landscape in America is quickly changing. People who study the trends on those who hold to various religions say that the nuns are growing at a rather quick rate. The nuns are those who hold to no religion at all. And even among those who consider themselves Christian, a growing number of those who, who a growing number believe that faith in Christ is no longer needing, needed. Can you believe that? That many who consider themselves Christian think that, the, that it is not needed to believe in Jesus to receive salvation. They think that any religious belief, as long as it is sincere, makes a person acceptable to heaven. This is frequently seen in visitations and funeral homes, even those that are held in our own community. People who have never visited church are described as having been a good Christian or a person of faith and then has been received into heaven. Universalism, though it could not be further from the truth, is alive and well all around us. Universalism is the false belief that people will be saved regardless of their faith, whether they have faith or whether they don't have faith or regardless of what faith they hold to. This, sadly, is even the official teaching of some Christian denominations. And despite the popularity that universalism has gained, and despite the fact that some Christian churches teach it, we, though, will abide by the scriptures and teach what God truly teaches concerning salvation. We believe the words of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't do so because he wants to keep people out. It's not why Jesus says this. Instead, Jesus wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. By knowing the truth concerning Christ, we then trust in him. We see in, in him a God, not one who is filled with wrath and vengeance, but a God who loves, a God who forgives, a God who has come to bring peace, a God who is merciful. Last week when we began our Christian questions with their answers, we focused on trust, in our dear, that we trust in our dear Lord Jesus Christ. This week we are asked with the question, what has Christ done for you that you trust in him? And the answer, he died for me and shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. We trust in Jesus because he did that for us. We trust in Jesus who said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. He laid down his life for us. 
We trust in Jesus because he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and suffered the shame. The forgiveness of sins that is described here, he died for me and shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. This forgiveness is earned by our Lord Jesus Christ. This forgiveness cannot come apart from Jesus. For there is only one person who died for the sins of the world. There is only one who can redeem us because there is only one who bore our sins in his body and shed his innocent blood. There is only one in the history of the world who is able to render the ransom payment for our many sins. Because only Jesus has ever done this for mankind, the forgiveness of sins is only available through him. He is the only one who could make this payment, for he is, as we answered tonight, the Son of God, true God, and true man. That is, that is, that is who Jesus is. Jesus committed no personal sin, and he remained the sinless Son of God. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He was tempted like we are, yet he did not sin. And the Lord then laid on him his sonless, sinless Son, the iniquity of us all. As the Son of Man, he could die bearing the sins of the entire world. He suffered the wrath of God as he bore our sins in his own body. He drank the cup of wrath, for it was the only way to atone for the sins of the, the world. And because he is God and man, he could do what no other man could do, securing our salvation through the shedding of his innocent blood. His sacrificial payment, because he is God, can atone for the sins of not just one other person, but for the sins of all people. And so through this, Jesus, our Lord and God, who is true God and true man, reconciles us to our Father in heaven, and he opens the gates of paradise to us. That is why Jesus endured his passion. That is why Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, as was his typical custom. That is why Jesus pr prayed there, knowing that he was about to be betrayed. He did not depart from his usual custom of praying in the garden so that he could somehow hide from Judas and escape from what was coming. Instead, he was willingly led as the lamb to the slaughter. He went uncomplaining forth to the cross to pay for the sins of the world, and that way the forgiveness of sins is even possible. And as we testify in the small catechism under the sacrament of the altar, for where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. You see, without the forgiveness of sins, there is no life and there is no eternal salvation. Those who die without receiving the forgiveness of sins will die in their sin. They will then die eternally. That is, they will be condemned forever in hell. We heard an example of this with our first reading tonight. 
In the book of Exodus, during the time in which those plagues were coming upon the people of Egypt, here you have Pharaoh. He refused to trust in God. He, he and his people were suffering from the plagues that Moses had sent, which were from the hand of God. These various plagues were sent upon the Egyptians to show that he must let his people go. And they showed who is truly God and who is truly in charge. And as we saw tonight, God could take away the plague as quickly as it could arise. But Pharaoh refused to trust in God. But when the locusts got so bad... He then pleaded. He appeared to repent. He begged for forgiveness. But all the while, Pharaoh was loving God's creation. He loved having the Israelites as his slaves so that he could make a name for himself among the nations. His trust wasn't in God. It was just so that God could do something for him as a little favor, and then he could move on with his comfortable life. His trust was ultimately in the creation rather than the creator. His heart was hard. We heard of that time, though, when he seemed to be repentant, begging for forgiveness. But when he got what he was really looking for, that plague to be gone, then he returned to that hardness of his heart. And so Pharaoh remained in his sin. And because he continued in his sin, apart from trusting in Christ, he was not counted by God as righteous, nor was he forgiven. Jesus died for him, but Pharaoh had forfeited the gift of salvation because his trust was not in the true God. So much for universalism. As the scriptures teach, it is impossible for those outside of faith in Christ to be saved. The condemnation endured by the unrepentant and unbelievers causes no joy for God. He does not delight in the death of the wicked, but instead he wills that they would turn from their evil ways, their wickedness, and live. And Jesus, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, earned forgiveness for all people. This does not mean universalism, though. But it does mean that all people have the same opportunity to receive salvation, and that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. When a person believes he is, as Abraham was, accounted righteous before God. You see, only those who are righteous get to go to heaven. But when you look at yourself in the mirror and you hear the law's accusations, you will know that you have not been righteous. That is because none of us can actually make ourselves righteous. And that is why we need Jesus. That is why it was not possible for the cup to pass from Jesus, even though he had been praying for it at the Garden of Gethsemane. He had to go to the cross. He had to earn our forgiveness. He had to make it so that he can cover us with his very righteousness, and therefore we are declared righteous, and then we can be counted acceptable before God, and we can go to heaven. 
those who die with the forgiveness of sins of Christ are counted righteous before God and are received into eternal life and will be granted everlasting salvation. In the Christian questions with their answers, we asked this question, how do you know this? And we answered tonight from the Holy Gospel, from the words instituting the sacrament and by his body and blood given me as a pledge in the sacrament. Last Advent, I encourage you all to read the Gospel of Matthew, one chapter a day throughout the days of Advent. This Lenten tide, I've been encouraging you to continue to read the scriptures, whether you choose to read the Gospels, Mark and Luke, or the Epistles, currently Romans. I've left that up to you if you want to do both. That is also excellent. Reading the scriptures is a wonderful thing to do. There's really no better way to spend our time than to spend our time in that word, both at home with our families in the word and also at our church home with our Christian family in the word. How do we know? How can we be confident? How can we be certain that the forgiveness of sins means eternal life and salvation for you? Because of the words of the gospel. When we don't hear these words of the gospel, when we don't listen to them, our confidence can no longer be found in that word. Instead, our confidence must always be in Christ, which he reveals himself through his saving word of God. Through this word, the Holy Spirit is at work, working faith in us, faith which believes in Jesus, trusts in his words of salvation, trusting in Christ. That way, this confession becomes yours, which you cling to and never let go, that he died for me and shed his blood for me on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, as we testified in the Christian Questions and Answers. And when we go to the Lord's Supper, we truly receive Christ's forgiveness, and we proclaim his death until he comes. We receive his last will and testament. We receive what he says it is, his body and his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It is his pledge in the sacrament. He is faithful and he will do it. And so as we go to the Lord's altar and feast on that sacrament, we are truly proclaiming it and we are testifying that we know that this is true. How do you know this? from the Holy Gospel, from the words instituting the sacrament, and by his body and blood given me as a pledge in the sacrament. Thanks be to God for this gift. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. An offering for the Lord will now be received. The offering tonight goes to support St. Paul Lutheran High School in Concordia.